Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Star Trek Culture. I'm your host, Niana Ahmed, here with my wonderful co-host, Stephen Schinder. Today is some kind of Star Trek news on Stardate 98753.98. You know, every time we do this segment, we think there's not much to report, but we're going to go through quite yeah. a bit. Um, so Star Trek Culture, you can catch us on Culture Slate, um, and Culture Slate can be found on all of the regular social media platforms. If you want to give us a shout out, uh, give us a buzz at Star Trek Culture Podcast at gmail.com. And I will say it again, we have a wonderful Patreon account with um, different levels of um, engagement for our members. So please uh, think about joining us there. There's some sneak previews for our Star Wars Culture Podcast, our sister program. Um, so looking forward to seeing more of those guys as well. Well, Star yeah, our, our yeah. star program. That's right. Yeah, we need to tell them that, that that's what we should call it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah. And I was thinking, but what about when the Doctor Whovian programs come on? What are we going to call ourselves then? I don't know. We'll see. So, right. Um, oh, you know, there are so many different things to talk about. We've got more awards and accolades coming towards Star Trek. We also have more novels and books coming, and I'm actually super excited about these particular ones. And then we actually have some more information about um, series that were previously announced. Um, you've got yeah. some more news, though, right? Let's start with those. Right. And also we have some GalaxyCon news at the very oh, end. Yeah. But Thank you. yeah, like, like we said, there's like a lot this week. Like, yeah. it's always surprising. Like, each week we sometimes think, oh, there's not going to be that much news. But then there ends up being news. This was like the Tuesday big night, news like, I was texting, like, oh, my God, there's like a million things to yeah. talk about. <laughs> Yeah, because, yeah, okay, so uh, we'll start with the award uh, news, like you mentioned. Um, so there's, okay, so the Makeup Artists and Hairstylists Guild have nominated Star Trek Picard uh, for basically this uh, award for best special makeup effects, I believe it is I was called. I uh, about hair, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, Hair guild. Oh, interesting. Um, wait. <laughs> Questions. <laughs> but, uh, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it lists Star Trek Picard along with some other titles as the nominees. Um, under the title of the show, they list a few names. So there's James McKinnon, Richard Redlifson, Alexi Dimitriou, and Vincent Van Dyke. Uh, the awards will be uh, presented on April 3rd. So, I mean, Picard could win. Who knows? But, I, I mean, in general, like, we're just... Uh, I think you and I have been impressed with some of the stuff on that show, like, yeah. just overall, right? Yeah. yeah, there's things that we we had issues with with Picard, for yeah. sure. But overall production, overall... Um, there, there's a lot of good things about it, too. It's like any Trek, right? You gotta love some parts of it, and some parts of it you just have to gloss over. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, man. So um, you've got novel news. I've got novel news. And I don't mean novel in the novel sense, but I mean novel in the book sense. So, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah. Why don't you go um, Yeah. Okay. So um, the novel news that I have is uh, it's actually about a trilogy. So um, apparently since uh, – so I didn't know this, but since 2001, uh, some of the Trek novels have had – their own consistent continuity that takes place post nemesis. Mm -hmm. 
And, but then when Picard was on its way and it was clear that that time period would be changing, um, a few authors decided that they'd be like planning out a trilogy that would be the last hurrah for that literary continuity that they've been working in. And uh, so the trilogy is appropriately titled a Star Trek Coda. Um, so I think David Mack, uh, one of the authors, was the first to like elaborate a bit on this on Twitter. Uh, so his words are, because the news is out and spreading rapidly, I'm now free to share a few details about the project on which I've been laboring for the past several months, Star Trek Coda. Fellow New York Times bestselling authors Dayton Ward, Jim Swallow, and I have been collaborating on the development of a Star Trek trilogy titled Coda. It is set in the late 24th century as part of the Trek literary continuity that has been going since 2001 with Deep Space Nine Avatar. The titles of the books in the trilogy are Star Trek Coda Book One, Moments Asunder by Dayton Ward. Uh, that one will come out September 28th. Star Trek Coda Book Two, The Ashes of Tomorrow by James Swallow. That one's coming out October 12th. And Star Trek Coda Book Three, Oblivion's Gate. Uh, he continues, Dayton, James, and I plotted the Star Trek Coda trilogy as a team. As of this posting, I'm nearly done drafting the manuscript for Oblivion's Gate. I hope to have a first draft done by next week. And that's all the information about this that I'm allowed to share at this time. Um, yeah, and then Dayton Ward, uh, one of the other authors he mentioned, he um, also posted on Facebook. Um, so apparently they've been talking about this as far back as July 2019. And uh, he also lists the book titles again with the release dates and author names. But instead of his own name, he put some bonehead, you know, so <laughs> just as... Nice sense of humor right there. Right. Um, yeah. Have you and read any of these guys' books before, Star Trek novels before? Are you familiar with their style? Um, I believe... Okay, so the only Star Trek novel of recent years I've read is Desperate... I'll say it's Desperate Hours. Let me double check that. Okay. I know yeah. um, there's several prolific authors and then i mean i like them okay desperate hours by david mack i okay i have read that one and i have a few of its follow-ups on my kindle uh, back when they were on sale for cheap i just need to get to them at some point um but what about you have you read any recent ones i have to go back and see who the authors are there's just i've read a lot and like you know how um with our epic rewatch we started to call things the one with the I kind of have the same issue with the books. I don't, it just all kind of meshes together. The only names I remember are like Q Squared and Vulcan's Heart and Kayless and a couple of others. But I don't remember the authors anymore. It's just been a while. So, And right now I'm, I'm still enmeshed in listening to Kate Mulgrew um, read the autobiography of Janeway, which I'm enjoying in that format. So um, that's where my brain is at with Star Trek novels. It's... Uh, limited brain space unfortunately for right me. yeah I, I really want to get to the books i have and also the books that i've been hearing about i just need to devote more time to them 
Yeah. Yeah. Ditto. I'm I'm looking forward to um, you know the next chapter in my life when I get to be able to spend some more time reading a little bit. Um, uh, a lot of alone time for me, so I get to <laughs> have some some free time to read. I was like, yes, like that guy with the glasses at the end of that particular episode of um, I think it was Twilight Zone. They were like his glasses break. I was like, there was time. Yeah, I had the time. So, oh yeah, time enough at last you. from the Twilight Zone. <laughs> thank you. It was time enough. Like, classic. That's yeah. a classic episode. <laughs> I think about that all the time with all the books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I've got some book news too, and I'm excited about it because this throws back to Picard a little bit. And it is regarding, it's something that you and I have talked about a lot and our friends and um, fellow fans in our different Facebook groups and our real life and in our virtual lives um, have all said the same thing. They really, really want to see Star Trek set outside of Starfleet, outside of the Federation of Planets, meaning like politics. We wanted to see the world. The worlds have been built for 55 years plus. Yeah. And, you know, we only ever get to see Starfleet and the United Federation of Planets and the novels take care of some of the other stuff and you get to see some of the other worlds, but there's very few main characters that get kicked out of Starfleet and have novels written about them, but we're getting that with Picard Rogue Elements by John Jackson Miller. The book is about um, Cristobal Rios, our favorite, everyone's favorite captain from Picard. <laughs> I don't know a single person that doesn't like uh, like that gentleman. So I'm going to read the quote that I've got about this particular book um, from, I think it's Mr. Miller himself. Says, Starfleet was everything to Cristobal Rios until one horrible, ex- inexplicable day when it all went wrong. And we kind of know about that date. I'm assuming it's the date that we've... Um, been exposed to in Star Trek Picard, but um, I, if you haven't seen it yet, there's he talks about it. Um, yeah. So, Aimless and adrift, he grasps at a chance for a future as an independent freighter captain in an area betrayed by the Federation, the border region with the former Romulan Empire. His greatest desire is to be left alone. And I like that. <laughs> like everything yeah. about that premise. Because <laughs> it's um, it's outside of federation literally outside of federation space guys we're finally like free of the federation (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it sounds like we'll be getting that in august like a nice story that ties into picard and then in the months that come after that we'll be getting this trilogy that's Mm -hmm. kind of a last hurrah for like this book continuity that some of the authors have been building for 20 years um (laughs) And and John Jackson Miller is actually um, like he's he's actually a favorite author of mine. Um, he's well, I mainly know him from like Star Wars stuff. He's written the Knights of the Old Republic comic series, which oh. is one of my favorite comic series of all time. That's pretty cool. Okay, good to know. Yeah, and he's also written uh, the novel Star Wars Kenobi, which is. Kenobi's early days on Tatooine when he's on exile is really good mm-hmm. and he he even wrote the the Star Wars Rebels uh prelude novel uh A New Dawn which talks about how Kanan and and Hera met each other um that one I thought was okay but it, it's it has its place and he's also written other Star Wars stuff and like he's just an all all-around all 
a really good writer, very prolific. Like, I've been aware of his Star Trek stuff for a while. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, what I liked about what they were talking about this particular book is that he said, this was my lockdown novel. And I specifically asked both uh, to write about Rios and also to write a book that would be fun, something readers could really look forward to and would enjoy. So it was his lockdown novel, which I thought was great. It's like, you know, you're talking about yeah. him being prolific. Yeah, he was prolific. You know, even when most of us were despairing about life in general. Yeah, and and I love how on his website he'll like for each book he'll include like um like play by play commentary of like behind the scenes stuff, and it's it's really cool trivia. Like he'll explain, oh, this is where I got that idea, or I considered doing this but did that instead. It's it's really cool. Like just reading through those. yeah, like after you read a book, you can go through the trivia of each chapter and whatnot. Oh, neat. Um, so did you say you read the Kenobi novel? Yeah, years ago, okay. and it's one of my favorites. I have not read it. I just, I know it exists, and it's just something I like. Like the Star Trek novels, <laughs> I have to balance, like, who I'm reading next, right? So. Yeah, I, I feel like the cover of that novel is very iconic. You, you got like the orange cover and Kenobi with the lightsaber on Tatooine. It's just, it's legendary. <laughs> legendary. Well, I mean, okay. So I'm staring at, uh, Cristobal Rios, the cover. I think this is the actual official cover for this book from far. It's on farawaypress.com. So I'm assuming it's right. Yeah. It looks like it. Yeah. It looks like this is the cover we're going to get. And it's, um, Rios on the La Serena, his ship, the freighter that we, we just mentioned so the cool thing about this um character and this ship is that all of this the crew of the ship are hollow matrixes of him as different characters so the actor uh santiago cabrera we saw his full range of ability in one season which is why everyone adores him because uh, the actor played um different accents different modes of people um, it was just brilliant, and I think we get, I don't know if we get it in this novel, but I do think we eventually find out, like, the genesis behind that idea, like, you know, I'm not gonna have crew, I'm gonna be left alone, I'm gonna just make, you know, EMH, you know, not EMHs, but, like, um, hollow matrixes that are just like me, you know, like, but but the fact is that he gave each one a different accent, <laughs> so, right. a different personality, <laughs> so then they're not all like him at all, and um, they argue with each other, they argue with him, and it's great, <laughs> it's great fun. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to like understanding and, and figuring out how he wrote this book, you know, to your point. Like I, now that I know he does that, that would really maybe force me to read this first. I do want to read this. Like I might skip over some other stuff. I got to read in order to right. read this. <laughs> and I'm definitely going to let my virtual book club buddies know about this book too. So, um, nice. yeah, there's, um, everything's gone virtual, but I think one of the cool things about everything going virtual for book clubs, especially is that, um, participation in the discussion. You don't have to be in the same city or the same. Yeah, location. people can be across the country, different yeah. states, and or even a different country, and it's just easy. Yeah, it's just simple. So there's some some beautiful things that you know you look hard enough, you can find out of this pandemic. Um, all right. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is we actually have a first look at Prodigy, Star Trek Prodigy is the show that um, it was the first of its kind in that it is a Star Trek animated series marketed specifically for children. And when we first heard about it, we were like, oh, 
you know what do you mean <laughs> so, well like, well i mean when i first heard it i was excited because they oh, mentioned it'd be I was yeah because because i didn't want it to infantilize it like other well okay so here's the thing so they said it was 3d animated at, at the time and uh it would be on nickelodeon and so in my head like i thought of what i grew up with on nickelodeon that was 3d animated i thought jimmy neutron and i was like oh that show was a lot of fun i hope it's at least <laughs> as good as that and i feared um, that <laughs> because i oh. <laughs> because i um wanted it to be more like animated series and so the difference is in the animation that i grew up with and the animation that you grew up with i grew up with adults being animated right as you know the, the characters were adults but as the years of like she was a you know a woman he-man like all of these characters were like full-grown adult people but as the decades have gone on they've infantilized and um made everybody quite young even she like on netflix you know she's younger there's progressive things in that story like you know that particular animated series but i will say like when they made her that much younger i was kind of like i'm not that interested you know so um that was my concern but star trek and mr kurtzman and everybody involved in it they um they figured out a way to make me love it more because there's not a single human here there's i don't have to worry about that my whole fear of like <laughs> right oh, they're they, aliens. <laughs> yeah so on uh, apparently this was viacom cbs investor day and they gave us a picture of yeah. the six uh, young crew members who yeah. apparently uh, don't know much or anything about using a Starfleet vessel and like just seeing finally how they're animated it's like I love it and yeah. like specifically the textures on the on the big one who looks like they're made of pink rocks it reminds me of the show Troll Hunters on Netflix which is really good and the yeah. Two, I think the creator. Okay, so the creators of this show, um, the oh, both nice. of their last, yeah, Kevin and Dan Hagman, or mm-hmm. it, yeah, if that's how it's pronounced, uh, they were executive producers on Troll Hunters. So I kind of wonder if maybe that could have an influence on this. And like, I don't know if you've ever seen Troll Hunters, but it's very witty, and it's what like it's, it's about high Troll school Hunters? characters. But was that a um, DreamWorks one? Yeah, it's it's my favorite DreamWorks animated series. Well, on it. <laughs> I say, well, one I one of them. I, I, I just I just <laughs> I just remembered Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts is a thing. But like, yeah, those two are my two favorite DreamWorks animated series. So yeah, I'm just I'm hoping it'll be as witty as Troll Hunters. Like, it's not just just a silly show like some might be dismissive of if they just hear about troll hunters it's very smartly written there's character development and so i kind of expect maybe that type of humor can make its way into this show or at least i would hope um with um with the the way star trek world building i like this quote from alex kurtzman about that like very specifically like I'm looking forward to it more and more, but this kind of helps me understand a bit more. I'm less like fearful of it. <laughs> so, um, he says basically the way we design our universe is that each show has, has to have its own very unique identity. So you don't feel that you're getting from one show is what you can get from another show. And, you know, people gripe about 
uniforms and things like that being slightly different. But it does give each show its distinctiveness. While it does kind of mess with canon and it does kind of mess with us cosplayers who are like, wait, more money spent on what now? So, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's fine. They accept that challenge. <laughs> that's what we want to do. But with um, with this particular show being animated, um, this world has infinite possibilities. It's IDIC, like, on a whole other level, right? So infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Yeah. It's animated. It can do whatever. Yeah, so... Yeah, I'm looking at the image right now. And we mentioned the big pink rock one. Uh, there's also a shorter blue and purple blob one. Does that um, do you have the dude from Orville? The one that's voiced uh, by... Oh, oh, yeah, I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking of Monsters vs. Aliens, which is another DreamWorks thing. <laughs> um, such a funny movie, too. I like that movie. But... Right. And there's a purple humanoid character... Um, there's also like a taller one next to them. I trying to enlarge. We see that species before. I'm fairly confident. Oh, have we? I think that is the same species. Oh, good golly! I will have to look that up. I didn't get a chance to. to I couldn't even remember like how to phrase the question to Google to be able to. Ask All right. Because it was. Um, yeah, but th they have a pale face and. Um, I can't tell if that's long hair or tendrils. I think it's long hair. Um, and their arms look kind of funky, like kind of veiny. I don't know if that's a tattoo or how their arms look. Um, but there's also a shorter person on the other side of them who has like these uh, like t sharp teeth and like this funky hair. It's kind of more heavy set character. And he's got a and um, yes, a that's the way to put it. Yeah, he's also Troll got a cybernetic light. arm. You notice that, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah. And, and there's also um, oh, the last one here. I'm not sure if it's a robot or a small being in a robotic suit. I guess we'll have to find yeah. out. But but yeah, I I like the little detail of how one of the feet has a boot on it. It's just a fun little thing. <laughs> um, and I I actually had a. It's funny that you mentioned that maybe one of these could possibly be a species we've seen because I, I was having a discussion with someone the other day um, who, or not the other day, yesterday, wasn't that long ago. <laughs> or maybe it was today. It could have been last year. You know, or maybe <laughs> it was today. I don't know. I, I don't know. It was, okay. But basically they were saying that they weren't looking forward to this. It's not what the fans want or whatever. And there's not... A familiar alien whatsoever and i my retort was basically well isn't star trek about new worlds and new civilizations like and uh, like i want this am i not a fan for wanting this it's it's ridiculous like it's being able to say oh this is not what the fans want it's like this could be for a new generation of fans that's what is so exciting this yeah. this could be a like a new generation's gateway into Trek. Like they could have fun with this and then be like, what else is there? And check out all these other things. It's smartly drawn right now to me. Like I've now, now it's a question of plot and everything else. Cause I think about clone yeah. wars. I think about uh, rebels from the star Wars universe and like basically um, Lucas ingeniously built in indoctrination. <laughs> of those things, Right. And what's funny to me is that the first couple of years of Clone Wars were so boring as an adult. I disagree. 
We're about I, I was I was oh I was hooked God. from the beginning. I was hooked. <laughs> I would fall asleep with to be fair. I was like, we were at I, was like in our I was like thirteen going on fourteen. Yeah, so, I was a yeah. working schlep by then. So I was, I was um, trying to stay awake. And I was like, Oh my god, politics. I see politics every day. I don't need more politics in my car. <laughs> my yeah, but um I think tonally, I'm expecting Prodigy to be more like Rebels than the Clone Wars, because I think, in general, Rebels skewed a bit younger than Clone Wars did. Um, but even then, it still told some really good stories. Like, no no matter the target demographic, I just hope for really good stories and compelling characters. Uh, and I know that some people are dismissive of animation or even just 3D animation, but... I feel that that is a valid it's art valid form. What, Absolutely. Yeah. What, what, where variety is fine, you know? It's something that um, it's a West, to me, I observe it as a Western Eastern difference where um, Eastern countries and, and cultures we tend to see as animation is not just for kids, it's for everybody. Um, whereas in the West, like, why did we get to watch things like Robotech and other really adult heavy? Um, anime shows as kids because they marketed it to us because they thought that you know they didn't they didn't think about it as a, a family program or maybe more adult they, they marketed it to us and um, but the themes in some of those early anime shows were like pretty pretty dark and heavy if you think about it but um, it was a, it was a difference in uh, in the philosophy around animation and that's still sort of in there right um, in, yeah, in I, I mean, to still be think, thought of, and I, maybe not West, and maybe just more in the U.S. markets where I see that it tends to be like, oh, it's animated. Oh, I thought it was for kids. And I'm like, you know. Yeah, I mean, we we have had adult animation like King of the Hill and Family Guy and stuff like those that, are but newer. yeah, much newer. In in my viewpoint, those are newer things. Yeah, Even The Simpsons skewed younger right like as far as the demographics go like the subject matter and everything else there were beautiful things that they in the early years of the simpsons they talked about but it wasn't really meant for um adults like i mean adults watched it you know us juvenile adults watched it with, with glee but it, you know family guy you know came around in 2000 and by then a lot of stuff that family guy guy did South Park, yeah i'd yeah, already kind of taken care of too right I think South Park is um, one of the ones that kind of shift to help shift it a little bit more. Yeah, I think South Park and King of the Hill were like ninety six or ninety seven somewhere around there. But oh, like in the grand, I feel like I was watching it before ninety six. I was in college when it came out, so I just I don't remember. Yeah, but yeah, like in the grand scheme of just animation over the years in general, I guess it's still a relatively new thing. Um, yeah. yeah, but. Yeah, there's also this Entertainment Weekly article that says um, the first 10 episodes of the series will premiere on Paramount Plus this year before moving to its sister cable channel, Nickelodeon. So, again, we're seeing like the 10 episode thing, kind of like we saw with Lower Decks and we're guessing with Strange New Worlds sometime this year. Yeah, and so. Strange New Worlds we know is filming, and so um, we're we're just waiting to see when those first few episodes will come out. Um, I'm trying to look up that alien. I it's the the alien in Star Trek Beyond, the woman with the white face. Oh, Jayla. Jayla, thank you. I was just blanking on her name. I could see her face in my head, and I was like, what? what how do you spell Jayla again? So, 
whatever, whatever her species is, is what I think that other species is that we've got in that shot. Um, um I mean, I'm not so sure, but uh, if we've had diff, if we have a variety of Klingons, then anything is possible. Exactly. So. exactly. <laughs> hey, we're not a homogenous species either, right? So that's right. I always like to, to argue with people who, who gripe about differences. Yeah. Like, it would be a cool little tie-in, but it would also be cool if it's just entirely new. Yeah, like, either way, I'm fine. It doesn't have to be. Exactly. It just, when I saw that alien, the first thing I thought of was Jayla. And I was like, oh, okay, they're just, they're trying to tie in Kelvin to this. Um, and there's rumors that the movie, the Kelvin movies are coming back. Um, but we haven't reported on it and talked about it because we haven't, uh, gotten information from a trusted source and so we're not going to share something from a source that we you know Stephen and i don't um find to be credible so, right um if you're yeah what, like it's kind it. of it, yeah it's like usually up in the air and i never know like what's going on with those movies um but yeah um yeah so i think so we don't have any release dates for like either of these are for lower deck season two yet we're all, all we're hearing is just 2021 later this year later this year december like you know fall december so basically you know um with animation and the fact that we know that the voice actors for lower decks um have been finished the season the first season of it in their in their basements and closets we know that they're capable of that and the animation teams have been working remotely so i am more optimistic that we will get a you know lower deck season and this show started its work before lockdown as well right so um we'll potentially get some more information um i have i have faith that the animation will come out faster than picard and strange new worlds uh, just just based on the fact that humans are you know have to interact with each <laughs> other <laughs> versus not right so, um, you know, hey, we're still in the pandemic. We're not done with it just yet. We're getting close. We're so close. Um, but uh, I would rather, and I know that the crews that work on these shows would rather be safe than sorry. So, um, especially since, hey, they're, um, they're dealing with a dual national treasure, like, a, you know, a British and, I'm talking about, you know, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> oh, yeah. They better, like, well, you know, kid gloves. Like, my head them. just instantly went to the Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, good golly. <laughs> yeah. There's a throwback. Yes, yeah. That's that's not good. <laughs> I I mean, it's been forever since I've seen them. I remember having fun with them. Um, they're probably not as well executed as like Indiana Jones or something like that, but I'd watch it again at some point. I think if I had to watch it again, uh, there's other Nicolas Cage movies I'd rather watch. <laughs> Right, fair <laughs> That's enough. How I see it. <laughs> so, uh, lots of other ones. Anyway, well, any other? In oh, yeah, we still have to talk about GalaxyCon coming up this weekend, right? The virtual con. Yeah, yeah. There's something coming up this weekend, and something that was announced for like about a month from now. Um, so first, um, we've mentioned this before on a previous episode, but since it's coming up really soon, might as well mention it again. Uh, Saturday, February 27th at 4 p.m. Eastern, there will be a Star Trek Deep Space Nine virtual experience 
Um, so it's basically the live stream, and it'll include Terry Farrell, Nana Visitor, Armin Shimmerman, Andy Robinson, Alexander Siddig, and Nicole de Boer. Um, so yeah, you got Jadzia, Kira, Quark, Garrick, Bashir, and Ezri. Uh, like their actors okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so basically, um, if you haven't done this already, go to the GalaxyCon page on this and register your email so that you'll be allowed to join during the stream and like send in your comments or questions or whatever. Yeah. And maybe they'll read it. Who knows? And they're um, pretty good about it. And um, yeah, the lesson that we all learned is do it the day before, not the day of, because they do yeah. actually close it. Um, and, and it's free. I mean, it's, it's just a question of making sure to register for it. And by the way, GalaxyCon does have an app. You can download the app too and, and do a lot of interaction via the app as far as like registrations and, and um, purchasing things. So uh, do check them out um, via the app. Actually, that's kind of how I do most of my stuff, except for like the initial registration. I think sometimes I still have to go to the website, but uh, they are, they're a great con. And I really hope they continue their virtual wing once we go back to whatever our new normal is going to be. Because uh, what a great way to experience stuff. I know the actors and actresses that um, partake in them may not be able to do as many, but if they did like once a quarter or something like that, I would 100% sign up to to watch that again. Lots of fun stuff happens on those calls. <laughs> so. Yeah. Great. Well, hey. Um, yeah, and the one that um, and the one that's happening on March twenty seventh, uh, that one is titled "Villains of Star Trek." Uh, yeah, so that'll be Saturday, March twenty seventh at six p.m. Eastern, and it'll include Jeffrey Combs, who's played pretty much everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Casey Biggs, who played Damar in Deep Space Nine. Vaughn Armstrong, who played Commodore Chorus in TNG, uh, Maxwell Forrest in Enterprise and Korath in Voyager, and Steve Rankin, who played Patak in TNG, Yeddo in DS9, Fenim in Voyager, and Colonel Green in Enterprise. So yeah, all these actors who, like, yeah, they some of them have played multiple characters, obviously, and are pretty good at being villains, I guess. And Jeffrey Combs is one of the few that I know that has played different characters, different aliens on the same episode. I don't think he's the only one, especially now, but I know he was one of them. Because um, he, he did Wei Yun and uh, somebody else on a particular episode of uh, DS9, if I recall. Um I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's your favorite villain in Star Trek? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, because I know sometimes Garrick is kind of villain-ish, and that's just delicious to watch, <laughs> like, performance-wise. Um, Dukat is pretty compelling. Um, I like Dukat. He's my favorite. Yeah. Star. Like, and I mean, overall, like, I'm not like trying to pick series, whatever. I like Old Dukat because I like him. Yeah. So don't like him. <laughs> yeah, and, and I know that, 
And I know that Khan is, like, larger than life. Like, he has the charisma and is very scary. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's, like, some villains I'm not remembering at the moment. It's like, huh, I, I feel like there's probably someone I'm forgetting, but I don't know who. Yeah, I, my issues with Khan are the fact that he's whitewashed, and so I, I just can't. I just won't right. like him. That, that'll, that'll uh, when I was... I watched that episode. I love Ricardo Montalban. Don't get me wrong. Totally loved his performance, but it's just a, it's just kind of hard to watch. And the fact that they redid it, right? The, yeah, like they should have just changed the name in both yeah, cases. Exactly. Like, or just you know, let it go and do something else. <laughs> right. That was that was my issue with the Kelvin timeline. It's like just rehashing stuff that everybody already knew and didn't need to. We didn't need to see it again. Yeah. So, um, oh, Gary Mitchell is a really good one. Oh, I think. Um, who, who did he play? Gar- from where no man has gone before. Oh. He he's like Kirk's friend, and he becomes godlike. And there was just, an actor yeah. you were talking about. My bad. I was like, wait a minute, Gary Mitchell. Oh well, the actor who plays him is Gary Lockwood. That's, so okay, thank that's you. probably <laughs> why. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, there, there's just something about him that just, like, has a staying power when I think about mm-hmm. Star Trek in general. Um, and, and we've also talked about Rain Wilson's performance as Mud, which is cool, but also it's kind of weird that it's the same character. Yeah, yeah, that's true. In, in his case, though, you and I have, like, I like the old Mud as much as I like the new Mud, um, but you don't like i know the older mud just because the vocal inflections and everything else he seems a little pyridine over the top but i thought that was his point (laughs) right um i don't know like that episode in general mud's women was like underwhelming to me um it's not it's oh oh my gosh i know who we're forgetting oh who q oh gee well uh, yeah okay yeah that's true (laughs) all of the q or just one the one q (laughs) <laughs> the John Delancey one. <laughs> I was thinking about his son on Voyager. Remember the the first yeah. child that he was just a, a pampered, annoying brat. <laughs> I, mean, I don't hate him. I just yeah, that that was a funny him. episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Janeway's like, oh my god. It, to me, what I liked about that episode was that Janeway was her best Kirk. <laughs> was like, it reminded me of Kirk and Charlie X. Right, just sort of like. Uh. Dealing with, like, oh my god, you're a kid and you have superpowers and I have to deal with you. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of parallels for me. Uh, I just, like I said, I just recently rewatched all of Voyager. Like, I know we're epically rewatching everything, but I'm also on my own personal cycle of it. So, um, yeah. But it's kind of fun to do that because you can kind of, you catch parallels like that. You know, there are, there are things... I mean, it's not retread. It's it's a wonderful modernization of the storyline, <laughs> and it, it's just yeah. Words. And I'm I'm fairly confident they weren't even thinking about Charlie X or anything like that when they wrote that story. But Q had a kid, so naturally Q's kids were going to get old enough to be, um, to be a spoiled brat. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, um, hey, um, I think are, are we good as far as like. Yeah, I think that's everything. For now, at least for the next five minutes, because we know that they'll wake yeah. up tomorrow with some other kind of... Yeah, I mean, it's February 25th, but for us, and they could, for all we know, drop some news like right after we finish recording, and I, I, then this will be a little exactly. outdated, but, outdated. you yeah, know, it, it, it is what it is. <laughs> right. um, 
I do have an announcement. Like, we are taking a small break as far as Star Trek news goes because I'm, you know, like I said, I've got some transitions happening and my background will change. Uh, I won't change, but everything else around me will. And uh, we'll be back with the live news um, in a couple of weeks. But then um, we've got several episodes of our rewatch uh, ready for you guys um, to, to partake in and, and, you know, let us know. And... Um, any other kind of exciting things that happen in between, we'll catch up on them and we'll make sure to talk about them. I have this feeling like, you know, the minute that we stop talking about the news, we're like something major is going to happen. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's hard to imagine with like the prodigy stuff being the most major news we've had lately, I think, but no, but I think the like... prodigy news, the new news is going to say, hold my beer. <laughs> Yeah, they'll finally announce the fourth Kelvin movie officially. Yes, like, yeah, because the rumor is that Tarantino is going to have a hand in it, but, oh, fine. I mean, I love Tarantino. I love Star Trek. I don't necessarily, I don't, I'm, I'm curious. I'd be curious, but I don't I mean, like I've probably mentioned it before, but when he talked about what he would do with a Star Trek movie on Nerdist a few years ago. He said something like Yesterday's Enterprise. So That I would love. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think it would be this ultra-violent thing that lots of Star Trek fans think. It would be, like, I think he would try to make something that He's fits the mold of, yeah. of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, but I, I would also want people to make sure that he knows how to fit it in Star Trek and it doesn't feel out of place. Like, well, um, like just in terms of where and when it takes place or whatever. Like, exactly. yeah. 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 And I'm also like, I just, I, I meant, I failed to mention this at the beginning, but I'm super decked out and, um, cause I came from a work virtual thing too. So, uh, I transitioned from a, <laughs> one virtual call to right. another and I was like, you know what? I'm in a Lenga. I don't care. Like the, in a South Asian outfit and I'm, I'm happy. I don't get to dress up very much often these days. Nobody does. And I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> anyways, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with Steven and myself on uh, some kind of Star Trek news with Star Trek culture. You can catch Star Trek culture on culture slate on all the, the usual uh, social media platforms. And uh, please do check out our Patreon within culture slate. There are some uh, wonderful benefits for our members there. If you need to get in touch with us, please contact us at Star Trek culture podcast at gmail.com and um, live long and prosper and see you soon. Live long and appreciate 3d animation. Oh, I have a better one. So, uh, just have to go look it up and see what it means. Okay. <laughs> <It's a Vulcan. laughs> so. Nice. All right. Talk to y'all soon guys.